0: Je
1: vais te faire une petite question.
0: Bushwhacking. very we bushwhack. I'm Jack. And I'm Fish. No, oh, I'm Jackula.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's me. And I'm your servant, Fish.
0: Fishgore. <laughs> <laughs> Fishgore. <laughs> actually, did you did you know that the in the movie uh, Frankenstein, the assistant's name is actually Fritz. Fritz. Yeah. Why did they change it to Igor? They So Igor actually comes later in one of them. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Again, welcome to Bushwhack and we're at Bushwhack and welcome to our second Halloween episode. We are really enjoying this month, if you can't tell. And we want to thank all of you for tuning in and make sure to share this with all of your spooky friends. I know you've been waiting for this month just as long as we have. So please share the spooky delights.
1: On today's episode, we have monsters without and monsters within.
0: Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to be talking about the creature feature monsters, and then we're going to talk about maybe something I didn't completely realize, is that there are monsters within us, and those same monsters are on the screen and in those books, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And... But first, I want to ask you, Fish, and this is kind of an impromptu question, but what was the scariest thing you saw today?
1: The scariest thing I saw today? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, so not today, but yesterday, maybe if that counts. Sure. Uh, I turned my back. And I was doing something, and then I hear uh, my kid crying uh, behind me, and I, I turned away from him for maybe two minutes. And I, I turned back, and he's sitting in his high chair. He had somehow gotten into his high chair all by himself and was just sitting there and couldn't get out. So he was crying because he couldn't get out. And I have no idea how he got in his high chair. That is some poltergeist stuff right there. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was amazed.
0: Dang. Well, I already told you what the scariest thing I saw today was, but I'm going to tell the audience. So get this, fellow bushwhackers. I bought myself a Kit Kat at the gas station. As I'm eating a Kit Kat, I go at it two at a time, you know? So I'm kind of halfway beast and I'm halfway civilized. And um the second pair, one was this delicious wafery chocolate goodness. The other Kit Kat stick was just pure chocolate. It was the weirdest sensation
1: ever. That is just obscene.
0: <laughs> it was just the weirdest thing. I even took a picture of it and I'm gonna send it to Candy factory, the candy uh, business, and be like, "Hey, man! When I buy a Kit Kat, I want the kit and the cat, not just the kit." You got it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you gotta, can you gotta think? That has to be a one in a million defect.
0: Oh, I should have bought a lottery ticket, or maybe not because you, you can never tell like when something like that happens like is this good luck is it bad luck is it good omen or is it bad omen well either way you spent it on the kit kat <laughs> so it, do- it doesn't matter what you do the rest of the day right speaking of omens make sure to join us on this grab your favorite cold one and let's
1: your your favorite potion
0: <laughs> uh, what you got <laughs> and let's crack into the bushwhack. Today we got bottles, not cans.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how well that translated into the audio.
0: Yeah, it's still good. All right. Oh, good stuff.
1: I'm I'm excited for this episode.
0: I'm excited too. So, like we said, we are talking about the creatures without and the creatures within. And so, for a pointer dog, my first question to you, Fish, if I can pull it up, what monster do you fear? The most see this is hard um define monster oh I was just about to say this is like pretty broad you know so anything besides like a murderer I would say unless the murderer was like literally deformed you know which sounds bad but I mean he's already a murderer so I, I, I mean can- to,
1: to, to be fair I feel like if you're murdering people you're deformed in ways
0: that we just can't see right and we'll get into that but i'm talking like not necessarily confined to the classic halloween monsters but like well just give me your answer and
1: yeah so i i think um ghosts are probably the scariest thing to me like a like an evil ghost Mm um we just watched a movie where the main plot was about uh spirits inhabiting people and that just terrifies me that you could uh something could take me over um
0: and and so i think ghosts is my answer okay what about something physical what about something that's on the same mortal plane as we are
1: okay if that's the case um skinwalkers is is my answer
0: okay now i can see why you were a little hesitant to (laughs) because that that for me is number one automatically yeah and it's so frightening to me that i won't even talk about it even all the way out here you know
1: i was just talking to um a good buddy of mine who was listening to skinwalker podcast and i i i have a hard time bringing myself to uh, listen to that sort of stuff. But oh, yeah. he, he was saying a lot of the sightings are actually in the Appalachians. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, like, I, I sort of feel the same way as you. Like, I'm a little safer out here, away from Skinwalker Ranch in, in Utah. Right. Now... But maybe not if they're in the Appalachians now.
0: Right. And I feel like with that, it's one thing to, like, hear the stories, you know? Because I've heard stories of Bigfoot... Even like real life vampires and I think one friend even said he saw a zombie once, you know, but here's the thing, correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, that topic of skinwalkers is a little bit more scary to me because I remember hearing the stories from your dad and as credible of a man as I esteem as your dad is, it's like, uh, -uh, mm -mm, I believe those. So that's a good, that's, that's a good monster to be scared of (laughs) for sure. So, why is it scarier that it comes from my dad? Well, one, because I believe your dad. Like, if you believe if you believe somebody, like, enough, you might as well have seen it yourself or experienced it yourself. You right. know what I mean? And so, that's one thing. Because I've heard that story from my brother when I was young. I think it was a little bit different than what the what they actually are. But I didn't think, like, too much of it. And then when I heard your dad's story, all of a sudden, I was like, uh-uh, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, it was scary. Uh, and uh, see, that's the only
1: um, sort of monster, monstery thing that my parents have told me about. The, the and and ghosts. Uh, sometimes they'll tell ghost stories, right? And so I and I I wonder if that says something that those are the only two really scary things to me. Um, well, it, if
0: I may note, it's probably because you actually believe. In them.
1: Well, right. And, and you... Um, Why I, would you be afraid of something you don't believe in? Yeah, there's part of me that actually believes in those things. And thus I am scared. And so all these scary stories that our parents tell us, the the mothers that tell the children to protect them or whatever, um, that, that has a rule of power. Uh, and I wonder if we realize the true power of that. At like now that I'm a parent, the true power of telling stories, or of, of telling, uh, maybe not lies, but uh, falsified stories to try to teach
0: children. Um, do through, you think through fear? Do you think you were taught falsified stories?
1: I mean, I as I get older and older, I get less and less. Uh, scared of skinwalkers. Honestly, like I, I sort of think more and more that they're not real. But um, I'm I'm just thinking about uh, all the other monsters that we hear about, are, which are certifiably false, that certifiably just made up, that parents tell their children to be good or to um, you know keep them out of the forest at nights or you know things like that. Mm-hmm. um it well, i wonder if there's a better way to teach them other than through fear and monsters
0: <laughs> you or- can always take the village route where you get somebody to dress up as the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i totally do that you want to make a pact with our kids to where we want to scare our kids to make sure they don't do dumb stuff we we buy a costume and we When we want to teach our kids respectively, the other one dresses up and scares the crap (laughs) out of them.
1: Uh, Do you know the? Have you ever seen Arrested Development? No. (laughs) There's there's this uh, bit that they do, uh, a recurring bit where uh, the dad's friend uh, who doesn't have an arm will come and scare the kids. Just like senseless. he'll they'll chop off an arm, they'll be playing with knives, and they'll chop off an arm. <laughs> and and then they the sting is, and that's why you don't play with knives.
0: <laughs> I love that. Uh, but
1: um, just to go off of this, i I looked up the the entomology of monster. And I thought this was really interesting.
0: Entomology.
1: Yeah, the, the origin of the word monster. Okay. The it derives from um the verb moneo, which means monkey. Uh no, to remind, to warn, to instruct, or foretell.
0: That's deeper than I want it to be. I I
1: know. So it's literally um these monsters are constructs that we that we give to future generations or maybe not even just our kids but our peers and our uh, society uh, to remind to warn to instruct or
0: foretell of some of some sort of lesson you know it's very interesting and because going back to like halloween monsters i think the i think of the universal monsters and i i call them the universal because that's the film company that made all the classic uh monster films Dracula Frankenstein the wolfman the invisible man you know the and thing I, from the black lagoon it's i think it's called the thing the thing that walks among us i think is what the actual title is i don't know maybe maybe that's just another one that's the one i saw but i've been watching them this whole week they're delightful they're like these hour and 10 minute long films that like end abruptly, but they're awesome. Um but it's interesting because a lot of these stories, especially Dracula and Frankenstein, come from litter literature. I'm not sure if the Wolfman does or not, but it's interesting because, um, and I want to talk about this later on a different episode. but um, you think about Frankenstein of that monster. like it was literally created, but another name for. F- Uh, Frankenstein, for the doctor, was the modern Prometheus. And it's interesting because the story of Prometheus stealing fire from the gods is like, kind of like, uh, I don't know what the actual, like, to us, it seems like, oh, that was a good thing because now we have fire. But I think the history and, like, the view of Prometheus is kind of, like, mixed of, like, yeah, but, you know. Yeah. And with Frankenstein, with him creating the monster, it's like... Okay, like you were doing something you thought was honorable, trying to eliminate death, but in the process you created a literal monster.
1: Well, yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. The the story of Prometheus, he got fire, which you know gave humans this this great tool to cook and to uh, sterilize and whatever. But it also gave us the ability to fight with fire, and and that was sort of the um,
0: The the backlash. If I'm being completely honest, the only thing I know about Prometheus is that he stole fire and that an alien was named after him and taught a caveman in Nickelodeon's (laughs) company. That's about all I remember about Prometheus. Well, uh, to extend that,
1: (laughs) I suppose, to Frankenstein, I I think Mary Shelley, I mean, she wrote it at the cusp of this... uh, revolution of scientific inquiry Mm -hmm. right and maybe as a warning or uh, foretelling the consequences of uh, playing with forces that we have no right uh, playing with
0: now i'll explain a little bit more about what her thoughts are on that on that event where she wrote frankenstein because it's actually it's almost eerie when i think about us me and you well tell me okay so i'll retell it again Because it applies to our Spooky King competition, specifically. But Mary Shelley was with Lord Byron and Mr. Shelley. I can't remember the other guy's name. But they were at a weekend party. Like, pretty much just them. And they wrote stories. And hers just happened to be published. Because it was so good. But I just thought that was so interesting. But it also kind of is sad because she talks about like in the preface of the book of how she like created this story and wanted people to feel scared. But then as time went on and then as she like experienced life, cause she wrote it when it was, she was still pretty young. Um, when she actually got to experience like what it was to have people leave in your life, it kind of took on a more somber memory because she used to look back on that time. as like, Oh man, that was so much fun. And then it was just like, wow, not like she regrets it, but like in the opposite, like she just really missed it. At least that's what I got from the preface. But yeah, so she kind of wrote Frankenstein more as a like, you know, let's have some fun. You know, she was bushwhacking. She seriously was <laughs> like we could trace back the idea of being creative like that with your friends all the way back to Mary Shelley. But here's here's another thing, though, is like going back to that Um because we're talking about the Monsters Without and the Monsters Within. I feel like f- the Frankenstein's monster is like, that's like on the edge, you know? Because one, Frankenstein didn't really have a choice. Or the monster didn't really have a choice. Now, we could get into like, does a zombie or does a vampire really have that choice either? Or right. the wolfman. But, um, I don't know. Well,
1: and the... Yeah, the so Frankenstein's monster... Uh, was really this sad figure that didn't really have a choice. And then the the true monsters are Frankenstein himself and the mob.
0: Right. The other thing I have to make sure that I remember is that the book, it's so different from the movie. Yeah. Far different from the movie. It actually surprised me. Like when I first started reading the book, I was like, why are we at the North Pole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'm actually almost done with the full thing, but it's actually very, very interesting. So
1: we'll we'll have to do a, a whole bushwhack on Frankenstein.
0: We could. We absolutely could. Um, it doesn't even have to necessarily be Halloween, just because of the the, the conception of Frankenstein, like is like bushwhacking.
1: <laughs> Honestly, this this whole bushwhack I was as I was preparing for it you know we could do an episode on frankenstein we could do an episode on dracula we could do an episode on zombies just Mm -hmm. zombies
0: right and so um so with these monsters uh another one of my pointer dogs is what monster would you dread the most becoming
1: Uh, yeah so the this is um
0: because like it got monsters like Slenderman is a monster in in itself, right? But
1: I, I would never become Slenderman. Exactly.
0: And you... Unless you were dug up by Dr. Frankenstein, you wouldn't become the next Frankenstein, which is kind of why it's like you would be the chosen one. Whereas a vampire or a zombie...
1: Or a werewolf. Or a
0: werewolf. It's kind of viewed as like a mass, like, contagion almost, you know? So... And you can explain which one do you dread becoming the most, and also what strain. You know, is there like a particular fiction line that you would hate to become? Mm. Because there are differences in like a vampire from Dracula and a vampire from I Am Legend, right? The book.
1: Yes. Good. Um, yeah. It. Uh, I would say, sort of a classic werewolf would be my scariest one.
0: Really. Why? Why would you hate becoming a werewolf? Because
1: I'm I'm looking at basically the three three options, right? You have vampire, werewolf, zombie. I can't think of any other monsters that I become the monster Mm -hmm. if. Um, And ghosts might be there too. Like I'm possessed by a ghost or whatever. Um, But just sticking with those first three. Um, Vampires, if I'm a vampire... The what I'm imagining is I I sort of want to be it's a I want blood and I'm happy to be evil, you know, and I'm dead. I'm undead, you know, right. and zombies. I don't I don't know if there's any of me left to I, I'm just a machine. I'm an animal at that point.
0: Um, you're almost less than an animal because you're like. Depending on which zombie you, you, which zombie strain you believe in, whether it's like the possession or the virus zombie, you're like reactive even more than uh animal because an animal has habits. The zombie doesn't have a habit, you know? <laughs>
1: right. I, I could uh, set up a train with some meat and have it go in a circle, and the zombies would just go in a circle forever and ever and ever and ever. Right. An animal would eventually just get bored and leave. Right. Um, but a werewolf, I there's half of me the 29 days of the month that are sane. And then I have to deal with what I do the one day of the month on the full moon.
0: Now, it's interesting because in the movie, werewolf, uh, yeah, the werewolf, right? Or werewolf. Wereman, werewolf. I can't why wolf? <laughs> oh, we're why, wolves So, it actually is a particular time of year, and I believe it's not only the full moon, but it's autumn, and that a werewolf you become a werewolf by being bitten by a different werewolf, right? And they can only be killed by silver, but silver anything, not just a silver bullet. But it could be like a silver club. Like if you had a club or something made of silver and you beat a werewolf, it would kill it, you know. Um, So I, I feel like that one would be the worst because you would have to live with that. Right. I feel like as a vampire and like I'm thinking of like the classic Dracula vampire where once you're turned, you're part of his realm. You are not only undead, you are unholy, which to me says... You're beyond redemption. You can't drink pig's blood as a as a substitute. You need human blood because that's the whole point. Right. So uh, that's kind of what I envision. And a zombie, I feel like, yeah, you're you're already dead too. But a wolf, man, a werewolf, you're yourself, but you're uncontrollable. There's a part of you that wants to kill your anybody around you, and the next morning you have to live with that.
1: Right. And maybe this is getting ahead of ourselves, but I I feel like in modern movies and literature, uh, there's been a shift of these monsters having more control. Uh, You can keep your
0: humanity. Um, There seems to be that. I think a lot of that people don't like stories anymore where the villain is unredeemable, which... I can see that kind of, you know, because a lot of villains are now being portrayed as, like, the true heroes, which isn't necessarily bad. Like, think of Maleficent, you know? There's yeah. there's a... I don't know if she's technically a monster, but she's a villain, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a so, good bushwhack. Talk about villains. And but, anti-heroes. And anti-heroes. But she, she really, in Maleficent, is just misunderstood. But I feel like with these classic kind of monsters, like, there's no complete misunderstanding you know yeah um oh here's another mummy what about a mummy do you become a mummy if the mummy catches you now in the uh boris karloff classic emotep he's cursed so he kind of put it upon himself because of the curse was not like you stumbled upon a witch and she just happened to be pissed off at you that day you know like emotep committed an unholy crime And that's why he was cursed. And he was cursed to die forever. Like he was cursed to die in mortality and in eternity, which is kind of spooky, you know? But the reason why he came back to life was because the archaeologists found the scroll that he used to raise somebody from the dead, which was the crime. And they buried that with him because they didn't want that crime to happen ever again. But the curse on opening that was that they would die and it brought him back to life because he was like that he was tied to that curse yeah and so um i feel like in that sense and i feel like that's where like the mummy came cuz mummy is like also like a uh, it's a it's a classic it's a classic monster you know
1: yeah i i'm really excited uh there's a book that i loved uh called the graveyard book um, and it's turning into uh, Disney plus is doing an adaption of it soon. Uh, oh, really? So I, so I'm ec- I'm ecstatic. Um, but it's this little boy in a graveyard that is, that lives in a graveyard and his caretaker is a vampire. And then he makes all these friends of the classic monsters. He has a mummy friend. He has a, a witch friend. He has a werewolf friend. Um, And they they all go, they have this adventure together, and all these monsters are protecting this child, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting inversion, of of course. But um, yeah, Mummy for sure is a a classic.
0: And now as we're just listing them off, I actually thought of some more like the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, My wife is afraid of the Meg, but she also is in love with it. The Megalodon. Yeah, she thinks secretly that it's still alive somewhere in the deeps of the depths of the ocean, which honestly, it's so big that I wouldn't be surprised if something that big was down there that we just did not discover. Um, Let's see here. Would you consider a witch a monster? Uh, Sure. I don't see why not. You know, Um, I'm I'm thinking
1: like if you go back to the '50s, what are you gonna (laughs) find? Little kids dressed up as on Halloween,
0: right? well here's some other things that i thought have you ever heard of a jersey devil a jersey yeah those things are freaky like just hearing the stories of those are like like it's like a man like with a deer head but it's all like skeleton like it's like it's like an unfun version of a jackalope yeah (laughs) (laughs) um
1: that's almost more cryptid territory though isn't it i think so like in the same boat as Mothman or Bigfoot.
0: Mothman, that's a that's a that's actually a local one. Yeah,
1: that's around here.
0: Yeah, more up north in West Virginia area, but yeah, Mothman is one. Did Utah have a monster? Just
1: Bigfoot. Just Bigfoot. And, and then the, the I mean we covered this in the cryptid episode. Um but the uh, Bear Lake monster.
0: Yeah, the Bear Lake monster. I feel like yeah, I feel like Bigfoot any small lake There's always a monster. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Bigfoot is like, I don't know if you can call him like a monster monster. Because like, it's like, what did he do? Like, I have yet to hear a story. I'm sure that there are. But I've yet to hear a detailed story of like Bigfoot killing somebody. But I know there are. I swear there's like even a show made about like the murders of Sasquatch. But like one of those things where it's like, I just always thought it was like just sightings. And the reason why people are scared is because they don't know what to do. And or what that means, right? You know, do you know what it would mean if you see a man with hair in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I. That's what I feel like it's. Ah, it's a giant man with hair everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, don't you want to live in the woods, Jack? I do. That's why. I, it's like what's the what's the what's the harm?
1: <laughs> that's why I don't think he's a monster. You're a man with hair.
0: Hey, I'm proud of it.
1: So are are you in the same boat as me with werewolf being the scariest one to turn into?
0: Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought you were saying no. Which one were you saying? Oh, I thought you were saying that werewolf was like the one you would want to the most because no, I don't. I mean,
1: the the other two, I don't have to deal with
0: my crimes. Right. Then yes. Then yes, I do. I do agree that the werewolf would be the worst. Yeah. So with all of these, like, do you do you think there is something? like more deep and profound about these monster stories than just a good thrill. Is there a Dracula or a zombie or a werewolf inside each and every one of us? I mean, cause like you, you talked about if the entomology. Is that the right word? Entomology. Yeah. I feel like that has to do with bugs. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? Ent- isn't entomology about bugs? I don't know. I'm just reading the words. Okay, so the linguistic history, then, of the word monster is to forewarn, right? Yeah,
1: to remind, warn, instruct, or foretell. So what are these monsters reminding us
0: of within ourselves?
1: And that's uh, it's sort of from a scholarly perspective. You look at the monsters of the times, and that will reflect the fears of that generation. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I think that's true to some degree. Um, so let's, let's talk about zombies for a second.
0: Sure. Let's talk about zombies. <laughs> let's talk about that. The, uh,
1: there, there was this period from like 2008 to 2015 where every other movie was a zombie movie. And every other book was a zombie book. It's so sad that I missed those times. Those are good times. And were everyone good times. was everyone was obsessed with zombies and Chuck Norris and Bacon. And I'm still obsessed with all three of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what what is it about zombies that captured that generation? I wonder if it's technology and this uh, this image of a spirit just being zombies to our phones and being zombies and just being plugged in all the time you know where we are just mindlessly going after um entertainment and and uh, satiating ourselves with uh nothing meaningful to the detriment of everyone else around us
0: and at the same time we're just deteriorating ourselves Exactly. As we're going. Uh,
1: and and that, that's just pure conjecture. I, I have no idea. Right. Um,
0: well, I think... I don't know. That, that may be a part... I feel like... I don't know if people really dig that deep when they find something that they like. You know what I mean? Like... Um, I'm not sure what our generation would say. I'm not quite sure why I was drawn to a zombie, but I can tell you that I wouldn't respond because it's a metaphor or it's a parallel to how we're living life right now. I love the zombie because I hate who I am. (laughs) You know, I hate what I'm becoming, Yeah, but I do see that parallel and I do think it's true. And I do think it is something to focus on and to, really contemplate because that's a true thing.
1: Well, and another example is Dracula. Uh, really early appearances of Dracula, he's always uh, like an aristocrat, you know. He, and vampires in general, they're always these, you know, powerful members of society that are preying upon the weak and lowly of society. Um, and we we don't see that a lot today um, because... Uh, Our society isn't so divided like that to the same degree.
0: You know, you want to know something interesting? Yeah. So a vampire, this is a misconception. A vampire, if you're bitten by a vampire, you don't turn into a vampire. You die. Do you know how you're turned into a vampire? You share the blood. The vampire has to share their blood with you and you have to drink their blood. I didn't realize this. Until watching Midnight Mass and Dracula, and reading a little bit of the book, I still have yet to finish that one too. But I thought that was so interesting. And you know what that reminds me of? Of in today's society, like who the real vampires are. What? It's negativity. That's like the biggest thing that I can think of. Is like there are there are some people out there, and I think we all do it to a degree. Where in order for us to feel satiated, we have to. Share our blame, or we have we have two choices. We either devour the people in front of us, or we turn the people in front of us. It's you against me, and you're either with me or you're against me. Is exactly how a vampire works. They, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Like if you think of Count Dracula, you know, the fictional one, not actual vlad the impaler because that's a different story <laughs> that guy had issues man <laughs> Ugh. but like a vampire its blood is almost like the blood of their victims like making them feel pain and and making them like just dried up you know and i can see that as like negativity or just like hate even you know yeah but if you can't if you can't get them like that, but if you want followers, you're going to give them a bit of your hate. You're going to give them a bit of your negativity, and you're going to help people turn so that they're on your side.
1: Well, and and with that, the other person has to buy in a little bit. Right. They have to drink a little bit.
0: Right. And sometimes what happens is that a vampire will do that simultaneously, which is interesting because in the realm of like a vampire in fiction – It's actually quite a horrible fate to get your blood sucked and then at the same time you sucking blood, you know, because that's exactly what happens if you're turned into a vampire and then you can feel yourself literally change into something unholy. Because the thing is with a vampire, they have to have blood or else, excuse me, they have to have blood or else they die, you know. Now, in a fictional sense, you have no choice over that. If you're turned, you know. Like, you can accept Dracula's invitation to come to his castle, you know? And then by your unheeding of all the warnings, you know, you turn into a vampire. Today, people are redeemable, you know? That's the difference between, like, the monster within us and the monsters on paper, you know?
1: But how? How? So, in, in your allegory of negativity... um. So, in in your allegory of negativity, how are you redeemed? How do you fight Dracula in in real life? Well, and maybe in the
0: in the story as well. Right. So, <laughs> if you want to get religious, the answer is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the cross and the holy you know, water, Jesus and garlic bread. <laughs> that is the answer to everything. <laughs> That's all you need in life. So here's the thing, a lot of, I know a lot of Dracula stories relate the idea of the cross to light. Now, I am a Christian, so I believe that light comes from Christ. However, I do also know that light comes from a lot of different things. And so the the analogy of light can mean truth. And however you recognize that truth, take that as your higher power. It doesn't have to be christ if you want to stay with this but we can all agree that there's a difference between having a different opinion there's a difference between degrading somebody's character you know and these people i believe are few and far between but you were just mentioning to me like we both know somebody who is a dracula you know (laughs) they are a vampire because they i think maybe we all know somebody right and it's but here's the thing though is that it is so fun to hate these monsters, almost to the point of loving them. Like, you love to hate them. But in real life, if you view somebody as a monster, you, in your mind, are viewing them as irredeemable. Because that's part of, I feel like, maybe not the, uh, maybe that isn't included in the history of the language of what a monster is. What am i am trying to say? The entomology. <laughs> I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> The linguistic history of monster may not include the definition of irredeemable, you know, or that perspective, but I feel like that's how it is in our minds because the only thing to do with these monsters is destroy them, you know, around to the head of a zombie, a stake to the heart in the coffin that they're buried to a vampire and a silver bullet or sword or knife to a werewolf, you know. There's a way to kill them because that's the only thing to do. But the problem is that we have to be careful not to view people as monsters, even if they're acting monstrous. Uh, if you do, it, you are drinking the blood. You are becoming the vampire as well. I think that's a good point. I think
1: that's a good way of looking at it. And so I'm, I'm right with you. Um, it, another thing of light besides truth is love. And I, I'm thinking of one of the, the greatest uh, uh, film achievements of our time, and that is Warm Bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, this is, if you haven't seen Warm Bodies, this is Romeo and Juliet, except Romeo's a, vampire, or a, a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Juliet's a human. But the the thing that saves the day is love, mm-hmm. and that's how they overcome their monster uh, their their monstrous ways. That's how they become not a zombie anymore.
0: Both the humans and the zombies yeah. in that film, yeah,
1: yeah, is love, um, and and so and that's how you fight negativity too. That's how you fight the vampires, is love. And I mm. I don't know. Uh, how we
0: can translate this to werewolves. But I'm sure it's love. Well, let's see here. In the old classic, the werewolf. Um, so here's something. Now, you could equate a werewolf to if you're only a werewolf one part of the month or one part of the year. Like, that could be a lot of different things, you know, like Christmas with all its stresses of money. Or some people, it's their birthday. They turn into a werewolf or their wedding day. Well, uh, <laughs> really quick. Have you seen Gremlins? No, not yet.
1: So, I mean, that's the whole plot of Gremlins is it's Christmas time um, and these monsters come out um, then there's this whole really ridiculous, silly sequence of these monsters going out and being just terrible consumers. They're, they're going and, you know, drinking and uh, smoking huge cigars and uh, just tearing up the town. And it's an allegory for consumerism around christmas time how we all become these gremlins (laughs) (laughs) interesting but continue
0: so one thing that um he does though i can't remember the name of the guy the werewolf he's at talbot castle and he that's how he went there and while he's there a bunch of gypsies are in town and uh one of the gypsies was like the werewolf and then he gets bit and this guy is dead. But when you die as a werewolf, you go back to your human form. So people automatically consider it a murder. So it kind of muddies the whole narrative. Because you don't die a werewolf And people are like, oh, dang. Like, this is a werewolf. Technically, you could argue that the werewolf is almost immortal. Because nobody knows that it's ever dead, you know? It's always alive. Because even if a dies, you find it as a human. So I, I digress. He's bitten And then he starts to turn and he starts to realize things are not right. And he wakes up one morning and like people are dead. And he's like, well, what happened? And then he doesn't remember. That's the other thing is that the horror is that he doesn't remember being the werewolf, but he knows that he is, you know? And so he finds out and then he goes to his um, dad and he has the cane because he killed the werewolf with the silver cane and he gives it to his dad. He says, dad, please take this. And his dad's like, why? Why would I take it? And he's like, no, just please, dad. Just please take it. And he just, like, insists without explaining. So he takes it. And then he gets back into his werewolf form and he attacks his uh, his prospective lover and also his dad. But his dad has the cane with him and kills the werewolf. And then to his horror, it turns out to be his son. So... It's kind of a sick way of love because, like, your love killed me. Like, the love I gave you is also what kills me, <laughs> you know. But he like get, he like tried to protect his dad, even though he knew like the way I'm protecting my dad is also my demise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so, okay. So, it,
1: the what's the real life werewolf
0: of today? Like I said, I don't I don't know because. That's, that's a tricky one because I I think maybe it's, there's um, probably not a perfect analogy to, of course. Right. But,
1: um, I think maybe it's, uh, lust. Um, and you're not yourself when you have this, these passions, you know, and this, uh, terrible desires to uh, like attack your lover or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in that case, love is the answer too you know, uh, to overcome these uh, temptations and, and passions to hurt other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the the history of Lincoln th- Linkan- Linkanthropy. Linkanthropy? Was that the word? A Linkanthrope. A Linkanthrope. <laughs> 10 points to Gryffindor. I'm not a werewolf. I'm a Linkanthrope. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's, I feel like there are monsters inside us, or like we can be monstrous and whether, you know, it's becoming a drone, like a zombie, or whether it's, you know, trying to get people on our like on our side, even though we know what we're doing is wrong, or sometimes we don't. Maybe that's another thing is that monsters don't maybe they don't know what they're doing is evil. Dracula does. Dracula He knows. He knows (laughs) he knows. (laughs) But I think it that's I like that conversation. It's always tough though to have a conversation like this and then go back to like, okay, okay, okay. But like, what if you saw him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what if it was real?
1: <laughs> well, um, we're changing the world here. We're, we are um, turning people's hearts to be more loving and kind to others and, and uh, desert the negativity of,
0: of their neighbors and themselves. Well, then let's talk about the silver bullets. Let's talk about the the wooden stakes. Like what are those? Not maybe not necessarily to kill the monsters, but like to defeat them. That's a better word. Oh, and I I don't know. Um you said love is one. What just what is what is a way to show that love? Fish. I mean, I don't
1: know, but something that I've noticed a lot these days. Um is this theme that the monsters aren't actually the monsters. No matter how scary and how terrible they might be, they're not actually the monsters. The monsters are, even in these stories, the monsters are us and how we perceive them. It's our perception of them that's the true monster. Um, um, Watching The Walking Dead, for example, they had a few good seasons before it. Uh, kind of they jumped the shark or whatever. <laughs> they jumped the shark. <laughs> yeah, the, um, I'm, gonna,
0: I'm gonna. love that. The,
1: but the the theme of that is the true monsters are not the zombies; they're the people, and that they play on this pretty overtly by having cannibals come in come on the show, where the the line between the zombies and the humans gets blurrier and blurrier, right? Um, Frankenstein, um, the monster is not Frankenstein's monster. The monster is how we perceive Frankenstein's monster. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this, you ask what the stake is or what the silver bullet is. Um, and maybe the true stake and silver bullet is, uh, realizing that they aren't the monster in the first place, that you don't need a stake, that you don't need a silver bullet to kill the monster. 'Cause they're not the monster.
0: Right. I like that. I feel like not to get like too um outside the topic, but the thing that makes me sad about today's culture is that there's no level of forgiveness. I can't remember if I've talked about this on Bushwhacking or not, but I've talked about it before. I think it was in one of my classes actually. You got cancel culture, you know. That's a lot of people may like feel like that's not a real thing or whatever but the idea that like if you do something say something racist say something inappropriate or say something politically incorrect like there's kind of this attitude that if you do that you you aren't allowed to speak anymore you aren't allowed to do xyz anymore your career and your reputation are over yeah and it's sad because like where is the redemption in that and then if somebody responds well what they did can't be redeemed. What they did deserves no forgiveness. It's like, wow, we we create our own monsters. And quite often we become a monster without realizing it when doing that, but we create other people to be monsters because we identify or define a person as irredeemable. And I think you're exactly right. That I, our, it's our perception.
1: The it Uh, Certainly, there are things uh, that are that people have been canceled, quote unquote, for that are terrible things.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, I'm not arguing that like justice shouldn't be served, right? And that some acts are egregious. But there are some things where it's like, really, they said one thing, and their whole life should be ruined, right? The, The what? What's the
1: monster? The the person that said. A bad thing or the horde of people frothing at the mouth kill uh, the monster telling kill them the monster! to kill the monster
0: yeah like the mob in frankenstein like i'm not saying like everybody who has made a stake is like frankenstein who or the monster in frankenstein that has an abnormal brain like in the movie and is really just as confused as everybody else no because people have their They have their accountability, you know, but at the same time, does that justify the mob, you know, and it's kind of I feel like there are times where like, yeah, justice should be served for sure. But there are times where it's like, yeah, but with what meat you measure will be measured. What is the like what you give out will be given back in a way. Like, it's basically karma, and I believe that in a sense, not because it's just like some ethereal thing that will just happen, you know? If I throw a coin into a wishing well, eventually that coin will come back to me a different way by itself. No, it's like, it's different. If you are remembered as somebody, like, killing monsters, as a monster killer, you're probably going to die by a quote-unquote monster. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Because people are going to remember, hmm, I remember when you didn't forgive people. So if you make a mistake, which you invariably will, you will make a mistake. How are people going to react if you treated people with an unforgiving attitude? Right. And I feel like we got to be, I think you're exactly right that there are stakes, there are silver bullets and there is fire and the, but the idea is not to use them. Now, should Dracula come to your door, get the stake yeah <laughs> if if we're yeah if if you I don't wanna be the guy that gets sued because I told somebody to make friends with Dracula if that if that man happens to be on your doorstep, one do not invite him in two get the steak, get the cross, make a cross, and three always have a handy uh handy amount of garlic bread on your hand, or else or else your your blood is no more yours. <laughs> And who doesn't want garlic bread in their lives? People who can't have bread. I don't know if there's a glu. I don't know if there's a garlic intolerance besides v- vampires, <laughs> but maybe those who can't have bread. But more for me. What, what what's <laughs> up with garlic? I I want to do a,
1: an episode about garlic. Just garlic. <laughs>
0: what why? today we're bushwhacking
1: garlic. <laughs> why is garlic a thing that vampires don't like? That doesn't make any sense to me.
0: That's a good question. <laughs> Just, I'm,
1: like, I get the cross, unholy, holy water, unholy, that makes sense. Garlic? Is that, I don't, I don't know.
0: Sunlight makes a little bit more sense. Sunlight
1: makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't get the garlic. Yeah. Well, my, my drink's about up.
0: So is uh, mine. What, what's your takeaway, Jack? Well, this one, I love Halloween, right? But some of my favorite scary stories are also extremely meaningful, my, the one that comes to mind is The Haunting of Hill House. Where it is like extremely scary and frightening. But it has very emotional reasons. There are reasons that ghosts haunt. And there are reasons that monsters do what they do. And I think the main takeaway I got is that a monster really is in our heads. Like we perceive these things as monsters. And when we call people monsters and when we view them as monsters we're basically saying they're irredeemable. We have to be very careful because if we're viewing somebody as irredeemable, we're not viewing them as something to like be treated humanely, but to be defeated, even killed, in one way or another. And I think we gotta be careful about that. How about you? What's your takeaway?
1: Yeah, you know, I I really do like the I so I don't think there are any monsters. There's no true monsters, only our perceptions. So that's what we truly need to kill, is our false perceptions of the things around us. It doesn't have to be even people, even though that is um, what we've been talking about. It could be anything in our world that we perceive as a monster. It, It may be a false perception, and we need to kill that instead of what we perceive to be a monster.
0: But that's pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. So what's our next episode? What should our bushwhackers prepare for?
1: Yeah, next episode,
0: aren't we talking about fear, anxiety and uh
1: yeah, so what what is it about fear that is connected to all our other emotions?
0: Mhm. And why where else aren't we talking about like why it's celebrated specifically for Halloween? Like why are we like yeah. Um, fear is a negative thing, you know, that we
1: should be running away from it. Why are we this time of year going towards it? Mm-hmm. And why does it elicit love? What, uh, why does it elicit sexiness for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> um, a joy? Some scary movies make me really happy. Yeah. And, and oh, comedy is a, a, a huge one horror and comedy are are so closely intertwined um many horror movies are actually horror comedy movies and that, how you can have both things is really fascinating and that's what we're talking about next
0: week awesome well thank you so much fellow bushwhackers on joining us on our halloween spooktacular uh episodes <laughs> what's your favorite monster what's your favorite creature feature tell us Let us know and be sure to share and rate us on whatever platform you're listening to. It really helps us spread the word. And Thank you so much. I'm Jack. I'm Fish. And you all have a wonderful evening. like to take a moment to thank our supporters, Calebell, Shelby, and Michaela.
1: We couldn't do this without you. You're
0: amazing. And we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for making us feel loved and wanted.
1: We sure do appreciate you.